Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is an episode of the Ace of Geeks podcast. The following episode contains spoilers for Season 2 of Star Trek Picard, Episode 2 of Willow, the first two episodes of Season 2 of The Bad Batch, and light spoilers for Episodes 1 through 6 of Ryan Johnson's Poker Face. We also talk about the twists and turns of the relationship between Seven of Nine and Rafi, and excitement about Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere. Thanks for listening, friends, and as always, welcome to the warm hug of geekdom. It is time once again for the geeks who are ace. No, that's only one of us. Never mind. <laughs> Wait, what? We're the aces yes. of our geekery. Yeah, aces of our geekery. In all four flavors of of geek, we have spade. Uh... Heart, I, I guess. Heart, Heart and all form the head. Or clubs. Or like who's. Who's you know the the fifth ring or the fifth element or? Yeah. But they were all the of them deceived yeah. for a fifth ace was formed, <laughs> for another yeah. podcast host was made. Yeah. Uh, that would have been a great intro if we had a guest this week. No, we, we don't. Yeah. Hi everybody! No, it's the Ace of Geeks podcast. <laughs> we talk about the highs and lows of uh, pop culture, and um, uh, by request this week. I am going to be giving you a spoiler-free review for not just the first episode of Star Trek Picard, but the first two episodes of Star Trek Picard Season 3. Because I actually got to go to the Chinese theater in L.A. to the premiere with everybody. And, like, the ladies and gentlemen, please go to your seats speech was done by Michael Dorn as Worf. Wow. That's really cool. That's awesome. (laughs) It was great. So basically, Uh, you and I had a very LA week. You got to go to Fancy Schmancy premiere, and I got in a car accident. Wow. So LA. (laughs) So very LA. During your car accident, um, were you also told what to do by a uh, wharf like character? (laughs) I wish. I I have to say it was one of the most surreal experiences ever and like there are so many questions that people are asking you when you're like my car was just t-boned why do you expect that I would know any of this information I'm a little distracted yeah. at the moment <laughs> Yeah I'm is a little it shaken like, up What year is it and who the president is or is it no, like what's no, your it, insurance it, it wasn't like concussion information it was like okay so uh make sure you or they were like do you want us to move your car and I'm like I don't know should you 
I, <laughs> is I, that a thing? I have no opinion on this matter. I it, just it seems to be to blocking be traffic, but <laughs> yeah, I was like, why I are you asking me to make decisions right now? Yeah, <laughs> why are you asking me what I want? Why don't you just do what we legally have to do and maybe <laughs> don't shout so loud? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was uh, wild, dude. But for the wild. for everyone who's panicking upon hearing the words car accident and concussion, I'm like, fine. Ma- I'm yeah, Maylee's fine. She well, yeah, she's deeply traumatized, but she's fine. Oh, <laughs> I get it. I, when I first started being in more and more car accidents, I would have nightmares and just <laughs> the way you, you know. phrased that. Yeah, I know what that's like. I've I... played burnout games. That yeah. <laughs> All of the car accidents. So I mean, traumatizing. I, uh... I wasn't driving, but you know, it was a pattern. Well, I think that's actually worse if you get into a car accident while not in a yeah. car. That's actually worse. Oh no, I was definitely in the car. I oh, just okay. was a passenger. <laughs> okay. But don't worry, if I were driving, I would definitely have been the cause. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because you can't see the car in front of you. Yes. Yeah, no, the, the nice thing is the person claims full responsibility. As they should. And um, there was also uh, witnesses to see them run the red light. Mm-hmm to oh. hit me so it was like which by the way yeah. they, they didn't choose to run a red light and t-bone my wife their car brakes failed apparently so it's all it's it all just a terrible mis- unfortunate situation yeah Oof. yeah at least so. their car's ai did not choose to accelerate through the red light that would have been scary for a <laughs> yeah different when you yeah. when your ai which is designed to detect what color the light is turns out to be red green colorblind you're in trouble Mm-hmm. Why did we put a dog brain in here? <laughs> it was the cheapest thing we could afford. <laughs> Do you have any idea how expensive microprocessors are? Dog brains are practically free. <laughs> why, do, why do I have to input all of my um, uh, navigation instruction in terms of go fetch at place? <laughs> This binary code we're working with is really weird. Is this an arf or a woof? Arf, arf, woof, woof. Arf, 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 woof. Arf, 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 You can't use that hiss. You're coding in Python. Oh, no. Oh, that was so good. That was really good. That was really good. So anyways, tell us more about this cool premiere. Uh, yeah, trauma. so <laughs> so it was interesting. I got there super late because I decided to stop and get dinner along the way. Um, you also looked a... hella hot. I'm not gonna lie. It was an amazing suit. Yeah, you can you can see it on my Twitter. I looked fancy. It's funny because I've had that suit for years and I didn't used to look that good in it, but I've made significant changes to my life. Um, nice. But yeah, so the. Um, I didn't get a chance to see it, but uh, the Chinese theater has a like display in the front where they show off costumes and stuff from. You, I think usually the movies they're showing they're showing. So there's a bunch of costumes from Picard in there. That was really cool. Um, uh, and then uh, they <laughs> our tickets were um, one of the last ones handed out. So um, myself and my two coworkers and friends who were there were. A, not sitting together, and B, shoved as far to the side of the auditorium as possible. But it's a beautiful theater, and it was really great. Like, you could see everything anyway, so it didn't matter. Uh, The show is... So, 
I don't know if I'm on record with this, but I people who have talked to me know I haven't been a fan of the first two seasons of Picard because I feel like they leaned really hard into this is dark and gritty. That's what Star Trek is now. Let's talk more about trauma, which I know is Jairus' shit. Um, but uh, I love the first two seasons of Picard. I love the trauma. I know. I know. Uh, but this... I do agree. They hit it way too heavy in second season to the point where at a certain point I was like, okay, how many episodes are going to be about what happened to you and your mom? Why can't we find out what that information is? Yeah. Um, so there was uh... – so this season is not about that. Uh, this season is very much – Terry Metalis, the showrunner, said um, on the night that he wanted uh, to – basically make another TNG movie. Um, and I would say he has succeeded in that. Mm. Um, it feels very much like the beginning of a first contact or a, um, uh, you know, uh, generations. one of the good ones. Generations. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the fact that um, Jonathan Frakes is involved as quickly as he is and as fully as he is, is uh, a huge benefit to, the tone of the show because you can't make that man not hilarious and charming. That's all mm. he does. Um, so that's great. Um, the uh, it's definitely a nostalgia fest, and it's a little bit of a weird nostalgia fest in certain ways because you could tell the showrunner is a big fan of Wrath of Khan. There's lots of Wrath of Khan musical cues, and the first episode starts with the in the 25th century uh, from Wrath of Khan, um, oh. but. I, that didn't bother me as much as it bothered some other people I know. Um, I felt I really still really enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing these characters again. They weren't all, you know, it wasn't like they were all super duper happy go lucky and everything's a fun adventure. You know, they've still grown and changed, and we're going to see more of that as more of them get revealed. Uh, in the first two episodes, you see four of the original TNG cast um, come back, uh, and I won't Ooh. say which ones just to not spoil that for you, but. Um, but it's, it's an interesting plot. The main twist of the first two episodes, I really liked that they didn't try to hide it in any way. Like literally from the first moment you meet X character, uh, Riker immediately calls who X who this character is and has like with no hesitation, there's no waffling about it. It's just leading up to the big moment where it's revealed, but you sort of already know. And I appreciated that they respected our intelligence that way because <laughs> everybody would have figured it out. Um, it's also, it's also really interesting for me personally, because um, as I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, this season uh, they have canonized Yes. Uh, several of the starships from the video game I work on, Star Trek Online. Uh, there's a um, uh, the Enterprise F is appearing in a later episode, um, and in the first episode, you can also see on the screen um, the Pioneer uh, original series era ship that was developed for Star Trek Online, uh, and the um, USS Pathfinder, which is uh, our um, sort of future take on the intrepid voyager class uh which is uh pops up on a screen as the voyager b because the voyager a is going to be in star trek prodigy and so this is the uh, next yes. one down the line uh mm -hmm. similarly to how the ship in the show is the titan a uh because they 
introduced the Titan in lower decks using the original fan created design that was in all the books. Um, but I don't know. It just, it really felt like a more adventure story and y'all know me and how I love my adventure stories. Um, it, it just felt like we were hopping on the road and going on a space road trip with the old gang. Um, and, uh, not like we were going to be diving into two hours uh, or two or three hours of everybody dying and tragedy and sadness. And it, it, it felt, it felt a lot more Star Trek-y to me. Um, your mileage may there vary. Was, there was also a level of time travel in the second season that while I really liked, uh, cause you know me, I like the Borg. They did something yeah. with the Borg and parallel universes that might be one of my favorite facts about the Borg I've ever learned. I, I would love to. I would love to get there. I was really interested in what they were doing with the Borg in season two. I it's just didn't so like good. I didn't it, like a lot of the rest of it. The Bo- they put the Borg queen in this place in which she irrevocably does not have power and is forced to interact with other characters as an equal, and it's so good. And the way she does manipulation is makes so much more sense. But um, the time travel got way too complicated in the second mm. season. It it got very weird. Um, yeah, because it's all alternate universes and stuff, and it was kind of the mirror right. universe, but it wasn't. And the determination was very odd, the way like different events and choices led to each other. I do really like that current Star Wars – nope, current Star Trek um, background <gasps> stuff has been – Let's take what we've written about the 21st century and kind of merge it with what's actually going on aesthetically in a way that I think that works and is interesting. But they spent the whole season doing that. And so I'm very excited that we're getting back to like ship crew stories. Well, yeah. Um, You guys also know that the actress who played the Borg Queen in Picard passed away recently. Yeah. Goodness, I didn't. Yeah, the episode is actually dedicated to her. Um, Yeah, she had uh, cancer. She did such an incredible job. It was really aggressive and uh, really quick. Um, But yeah, so I think that might be why they had to be like, okay, we got to pivot. But yeah. I see. Yeah. It's one of those scary things with cancer. Like... Yeah. Sometimes it takes a long time, and sometimes you're dead in one to three months. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Fuck cancer. Seriously. Fuck cancer indeed. Um, which is something that I think, not that there's any irony in this, but Borg stories have such an incredible way of helping us process struggling against not just insurmountable odds, but seemingly mathematical inevitabilities Mm -hmm. in the way that cancer kind of forces on us. Um, I think describing the Borg as a cancer is way too simplistic and not really the point of what they are. But the survivor stories that we hear in Star Trek about people who were once um, assimilated, uh, assimilated, thank you, um, very much remind me of like, uh, people who have survived either diseases or cults. Yeah. Um, there's a fantastic episode of Voyager where Seven of Nine is reliving 
her different um like the different personalities you know she is seven of nine so i think it's like all nine of the the people who have assimilated to make her sort of thing and like it was basically like jerry ryan was like look i'm not just body i can actually act and um i'm amazing thank you i'm going to show Um, this to you now yeah, it's such a good episode. I don't remember what it is, but yeah, and Jerry Ryan um, also is in this season. If you were, if anyone was yeah. about that, yeah, she's she was in last the uh, last. She's been in all the seasons of Picard, and she's in this one as well, mm-hmm. and is great in dealing with a um, uh, <laughs> the cap. The current captain of the Titan is not uh Riker. Uh, the current captain of the Titan is uh kind of an asshole and kind of just a cool guy it it alternates um you know he uh in the way card does no card in the way that i'm sorry i meant um uh kirk can be both an asshole and kind of a dude i think more asshole than not but then there's moments where he's not just a straight up like bad merle there's moments where you're like okay i kind of see where this asshole is coming from you're still an asshole you're not wrong you're just an asshole so it's not Riker. it's Riker's douchier older brother spiker that actually is a very good description of it i would say that's funny is rafi in this season yep and her arc yes. in the first two episodes is a very big favorite of mine. Oh, is Rafi and Seven still in love? Well, they don't go <laughs> oh, no. into like oh, the, no. <laughs> you know. I think uh, that based on what they were saying about stuff, I think that might be a thing by the end of the season. Uh, uh. But they're doing the whole, you know, like oh, we. Uh, uh, we broke up in between seasons so that we could have romantic oh. drama. Oh. You know, my least favorite thing. Yeah, I'm not into that. I do look forward to them getting back together, though. Yeah. Cool. Because I think they did that at the beginning of season two, too, didn't they? Didn't weren't they like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. oh, they they broke up in between seasons. So yeah, I think if they got back together at the end of season three Wait, or season two, I don't two, think they were together in season one. And then the will they won't me in season two was so effervescent that it would have been queer baiting, except it really was only apparent in the last few episodes. <laughs> it was very uh, Cora saw me in that way. Yeah, I was about to say we can't always have the Willow storyline of like <laughs> in episode oh, so two. Good. I want to kiss you. Oh, oh, and okay, now we're so kissing. We're... Yeah, so so we're doing this. Okay, great. I thought uh, I thought you meant Willow from Buffy when you first started that, and I was like, well, I feel like that took a couple of seasons to get. Oh, she means Willow the TV show with its great not queer baiting. Just once, just once, I would like to see that uh, pattern of we broke up between seasons uh, be revealed with the lampshade of we had to break up. They were too good at loving me. Oh God, I'm sure that's happened. I'm sure I've seen a teen show. I mean, that is honestly the entire premise of the song I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton. <laughs> yes. uh... Uh, I'm, you're too good for me, so I have to leave you. I, those are always really frustrating things to deal with in um, 
uh, in fiction, but oh my god, does it hurt in real life? Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's almost like a it's not you, it's me. Okay, <laughs> but being that as uh, it may, what was it like uh, to hear um, Patrick Stewart speak? Uh, Patrick Stewart's speech was hilarious because he was uh, uh, discussing you know, how this much of a part of his career has been and how honored he's been to always be a part of Star Trek. And then he brought up uh, the memo that Gene Roddenberry apparently set out because Gene Roddenberry desperately did not want to cast Patrick Stewart as Picard. Uh, and there's mm. a memo apparently somewhere in the Paramount archives of, I don't want to hear Patrick Stewart's name anymore. <laughs> Stop bringing <laughs> him up. <laughs> oh. He's like, Gene, thank you, but suck it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, uh, he also told a story about how um, their first his first shot on set is a shot from the first episode where um, uh, the camera just zooms in on him and he doesn't do anything. He just sort of looks off in a direction. And uh, they finished that take. And apparently uh, Frakes was nearby and was like, so that's that good old British face acting they talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is in the first two episodes, but I hear that Jordy LaForge comes back uh, and his real life daughter um, is also in a scene with him. Jordy is not in the first episode, but his daughter is. She is not yeah. a, just in a scene. She is a major character in the show. She is yeah. the uh, helmsman of the Titan. Uh, and so based on what we saw in the coming this season on Picard stuff they were doing, I have a feeling... Uh, she will be quite a bit more than uh, a bit character. It seems like it seems like one of the things that they're trying to do, whether this actually turns into anything, is um, set up sort of the next generation of the next generation, um, which Ooh. I think is a really good idea. Yeah, I agree. These actors are not only not going to be around forever, but much of the point of generations as a concept is legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the right call, and I'm very excited to see what they do with that. There's, there's two in the first couple of episodes. There's two gener- characters that I would call generational characters, and then I might be tempted to include Rafi in that uh, as well, based on her arc in the show currently. And I won't mm-hmm. tell you why, but it's was my favorite part of episode two which probably tells you a few things if you know me very well, but <laughs> okay. Okay. Did someone hold someone else to a wall at sword point? Uh, you're not, not wrong. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. There were, there were swords and points involved. Wink. Wink. Well, now, <laughs> Well, very or as the original Star Trek sword point uh, wielder would say, oh my. Oh my. Yes. <laughs> All righty. Um, uh, yeah, so anyway, the first two episodes, first episode is on Paramount Plus now as of this recording. Um, uh, when this recording releases, the second one will be coming out this Thursday. So um, I will say, take, give it a look and let us know what you think. Let us know if you agree with all of our, all of my thoughts, Vegas. our thoughts. You guys didn't see it. Uh, and yes, when we, our thoughts. I can't wait to watch it. On the next episode, we'll all have watched it a little more, and we can talk about it some more. I would like that. I love the Picard show. 
I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to digging in. Okay. The next thing we were going to talk about, are going to talk about, is not something Rowan has watched, but... Well, we I watched hoping... the first two episodes of Bad Batch today. That's oh, nice! nice. <laughs> oh, good! Oh, wait. Of all of it or season two? Season oh, two. Season... Okay. Okay. Just the first two episodes. All right. <laughs> That's not what we were segueing into. No, <laughs> it's not. But what what did you think? Because Mailing and I are sort of there as well. Like I I like all these characters. I like all the aesthetics. It's always great to hear the Star Wars sound effects and be transported. Um, my, maybe it would have helped if I have, was coming more freshly off of the end of season one. But it feels it felt to me like Omega was. I don't know. What's the right term? Was not where she had been at the end of season one in Mm. terms of like her, her level of thinking and, and and relating with the dad batch. Um, And her emotional intelligence also somewhat recedes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think she becomes a a teenager teenager and yeah, I was going to say that that reduces all of your brain cells by 20%. (laughs) Well, and we all for the hormones. Yeah. She's a teenager now and she's also acutely aware that she is the major cause of a lot of their problems. And even if she's not, Mm. she's internalizing Mm -hmm. that. And there's a lot of complex emotional things going on with her but i think it's also like if you think about it the dad batch is actually younger than omega is that's so so, weird to think about but you're not wrong because they had accelerated growth she has true so she's going through development naturally at a natural timeline and they're going to have no concept of teenage hormones because for them, it was like a day. Yeah, that never happened maybe. for them. <laughs> yeah, and potentially it was mm-hmm. bred out or like, you know, X'd out or whatever. But mm-hmm. like for her, I mean, she's going to she's gonna start going through like a lot of developmental changes. So it's going to be interesting if they do kind of explore that. And I think they're all actually kind of going through an adolescence in a different way because like the dad batch are becoming their own people and making their own decisions and And in the case of crosshair their own terrible decisions yeah well Mm. you know (laughs) yeah yeah so i i think it's actually going to be a really interesting parallel but yeah i was kind of like man everyone's just like a little dumber everyone's just like (laughs) meh and I'm like, oh wait, they're preteens. Also, <laughs> the Empire. Yes, yeah. the Empire. The Empire does way more growing in this season than some of the characters seem to have done during the break. In that, the Empire is in a very different place. Mm-hmm. Um, did you folks see? Yes, I love that we see the bureaucratic incompetence of the empire in mm. like the second episode where mm-hmm. the, the guy was like, no, clearly commander Cody, you're wrong. And you will falsify a report. I'm like, that is why you will fail because mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. want to 
look the, like you're different though, but you are. And oh, it was yeah. so good. It was so good. The higher ups delicious. can't know that I failed. Therefore, I didn't. And also, yep. I'm not doing anything about this. Yeah. And, there are no problems in Bossing Say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rampart is such an amazing villain. One of the things, um, I'm not quite sure which is season or episode one or episode two. Uh, did you folks watch the episode with Sereno? Uh, oh, Sereno? Sereno, yeah. Do, uh, yeah, Dooku's treasure, the, the heist treasure. that wasn't. The heist oh. of Dooku's treasure is the first two episodes, yeah. Yeah. And the repairing yeah. of that uh, Serenan data cache that had all of their cultural stuff in it. Yeah. Am I the only one who felt like that episode was kind of doing the job of helping us understand how Tales of the Jedi Dooku gets to um, the uh, Attack of the Clones Dooku? So sadly, Jairus, I think you may be the only one who watched Tales of the Jedi. I mean, Link and I haven't watched I it watched yet. I watched it. Oh, okay. Oh. I know. I know. It It's good, but also Dooku in it, not the Dooku in anything else. Yep. Except uh, Jedi Lost. Which, if you haven't read or listened to, no, is excellent. No, I yeah, haven't. that's the story of how he first left the Jedi Order, uh, and it's fabulous. That's um, really good. I wonder if it's still canon or if the this so story everything is technically it. canon. A lot of things got changed and moved away. You know, mm. slight mostly. Dave had stories he wanted to tell that got canceled when the Clone Wars got canceled, and then he got the chance to tell them again through his other shows and. Uh, a lot of things got changed from the books um and whether people you're annoyed about that or not is depends entirely on which part you loved (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, a good example yeah a good example is the um uh the clones turning on kanan and his master was completely different in the comics from how it was in the first episode of the bad batch and i have reached my own particular point of hey what if we just say kanan is is murky and everything depends on the point of view of the person who's telling the story and you know yeah people remember things differently yeah did you uh pick up on any of the sort of thing i was talking about rowan uh yeah kind of i mean to me i feel like it ended up turning in a circle when we first saw dooku in the uh tales of the jedi like is it that same planet that he Sereno comes to is his home? On? It's his home planet. No, those are different planets. Okay. Um, the planet he visited in that first episode belonged to a different governor. Okay. And yet he basically replicated what that governor did in spite of being really mad at him for doing it. Impoverishing yep. his people utterly to destitution to enrich himself. That sounds like Dooku. Yeah. Bit yeah, of a exactly. bit of a hypocrite that one. Which I find very funny and delightful since that's his major, major and accurate critique of the Jedi. Yeah. So yeah, Dooku Jedi Lost is a a a story of Ventress finding Dooku's personal files and reading about his past uh and it's fascinating and great. Okay. Okay. I will cool. say though the audiobook the voice that they have for Ventress is um She's fine. She's not, not as good as Clone Wars Ventress. I don't know why they didn't just Well, go with she the kind of sounds like this all the time. It's oh, not that's rough. 
pleasant on the ear. I, I was about to guess that they'd gone Kermit. This is only marginally better. Ventress <laughs> yeah. the Sith here. Ventress <laughs> the Sith here. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Uh, um, I got to go uh, to commune with the Night Mother. Uh, <laughs> with the Night Piggy? <laughs> Oh my god. Our vengeance will be felt by the Seath. No, that almost <laughs> was a really Swedish funny. chef. Yeah. Um, Except you were saying words. <laughs> yes, that's true. The thing we really wanted to talk about, though, um, unfortunately, while uh, Rowan has not seen this, we hope that We've... spoilers will not be a factor, but still, we got to hit that spoiler tag. What we really want to talk about, just to just to spoil this a little bit in advance, is a um, uh, Lady Gaga song. Yeah. I'm hitting oh. the button. Yeah, I'm hitting it too. It's okay. Motion. So no spoil. Here we go. Can't be oh. mad. Can't be mad. No, you can't be mad. Poker face. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's never do that again. <laughs> but, but, okay. I it was it. it was so loud in all of my eardrums. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> all right. Well, yes, we wanted to talk about Poker Face, which is the new uh, TV show um, from Ryan Johnson and a bunch of other wonderfully talented people, uh, and starring Natasha Leone of um, uh, American Pie. But mostly um, Russian, Russian doll. doll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, who is fabulous in every way, and you should see her in everything. Uh, th- uh, so this is a show that follows um, a woman named uh, it's something Kane. Uh, Charlie. Charlie. Charlie Kane. Charlie. Yeah, this is a Charlie. show that stars a woman named Charlie Kane who has uh, the incredible ability to tell when anyone's lying, and uh, even over um, video. Even over video, at any point, she can just tell they're lying. Uh, and, of course, she could use this to solve crimes, but she mostly used it to get in trouble and then is sort of forced into a life of solving crimes instead. <laughs> One of the things I really like about this show um, is the way that they reinterpret the concept of a murder mystery. Yes. Um, and the thing is that they could have charlie in a scene and then she sees someone lying and they could do a special effect or a twinkling of the nose like in bewitched or whatever um in which we as the audience are now suddenly aware of what charlie is aware but no they do it a different way (laughs) what they do is the first third or half of the episode is you the audience watching the entire premeditation and murder from the murderer's perspective. Yep. Every scene that they're in, you get to see it. And then there are no cues except Charlie sometimes commenting on the lie to let us know that she picked it up. Because now that we have seen it, every time a character lies in the show, we, we are know. already aware. Exactly. It, it's great. And um, yeah. the, the great thing about it, too, is I sort of expected it to be 
uh, you would see how the murder was done and and why and then charlie would roll into town and we'd build it up and stuff but every single episode is you see the premeditation you see the murder and then you find out that charlie's already been there for a month and has made really yeah. good friends with the victim uh and and they have made decisions that led to the, to the victim's death <laughs> so yeah, many exactly. times it's her fault all except the last episode yeah. In the last episode, she had nothing to do with it. Um, but in all the other episodes, like, honestly, she's kind of a harbinger of doom. Yeah. Yes. In a lot, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, in that last episode, too, one of the things I also really liked is that they hinted at, but while you were going through the murder from the murderer's perspective, you did not realize what the real plan was until the moment they succeed. And that was, it was one of the favorite, famous, uh, favorite murders I have ever seen. Depicted. Oh God. Yes. It was in, so in, the, in the latest episode. Is that what you're saying? In Sorry. The, the most recent one. Musical death. one. Oh yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Exit stage so death. Oh. Just, just that one was fabulous, just because of the way they twist and turn on it. A lot of times mm -hmm. they give you, um, well, there's there's some episodes where just the people involved are you're just like these are the worst people. I can't wait for them to get taken down. And then there's some episodes where you think the murderers are good people and did it for good reasons, but whoops, nope. Or like you think oh the God, way the murder yeah. is going to go down is one way. And then the game, the, the show completely twisted on you. So even in the twists and turns, even knowing of, who did it and how they did even it, even knowing that you're going to find out the murder, yeah. it's not enough. Yeah. And, and it is kind of one of the things where like Charlie has a really interesting arc as well, because she's like, I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to do it. But then it's like, you mess with my friends. I'm going to take you down. Yep. But then she realizes that one, she's not a cop Two, She's a single lone woman, you know, going after these people who have literally murdered someone. Yeah. And so she often has a lot of time, a lot of realizations of like, Oh shit. And like, you know, running <laughs> away from the scene or, or that and so like i i feel like now at the exit stage desk she's kind of starting to like figure out how to get him and still and protect herself so yeah um, since she is on the run from some very bad people for reasons that yes. are made very clear in the first episode uh there's also yeah. in just an amazing plethora of guest stars in this yes. show mm -hmm. um there's mm -hmm. just uh you know there's uh adrian brody in the first episode oh yeah um uh the latest one had uh jamila jamil she's great uh it John also has Hodgman uh, also yes uh, was a small part recently um i rather a, enjoyed that a small oh part that was absolutely perfect for him <laughs> yes <laughs> just just the best that's so I delightful mean, it, i i could kind of imagine that it was actually judge john hodgman <laughs> trying <laughs> to score some molly at yeah. a concert no you obvious narc i'm, I'm not, not a, a narc, cop i'm just i'm just really normal. awkward at getting asking for drugs yeah. he's like dressed as a substitute teacher i love him yeah it's, at it's a metal fabulous show. it's ah oh, that's the energy i'd like to bring um that's the energy you bring already jerris don't oh, worry thank you uh something yes, else i really energy. love 
wink. Oh, okay, Rowan. <laughs> um, one of the reoccurring scenes that happen a, f- a few times that is one of my favorite tropes of the show is murderer realizing how much Charlie knows and Charlie realizing that means she's about to be murdered. <laughs> yes. The number of times that that girl thinks I'm going to walk into an enclosed space with a bunch of murderers and confront them with what I know. Surely this will go well for me this time and I won't get murdered. Yeah. Get hot cash. Yeah. The so um, retirement home episode being the best example of that. <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was really good. It was great. Yeah, um, just overall, like, if you enjoyed Knives Out and Glass Onion, watch Poker Charlie's Face, sense of drama writes just Ryan Johnson cash. is so good at murder <laughs> mysteries. He's so precise. Mm. Everything you need is there. All the, the details are in front of, of your face. Deaths, it's just it also used for you to kind of figure really it out enjoyed. by the end. And it's it's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I love it. All the dialogue is so funny. Well, and like, mm-hmm. I was, we were talking to uh, Mike's parents about this show, and his mom doesn't like violent shows, right? But she loves mm-hmm. detective murder mystery sort of situations. And I was like, yeah, I mean, there there's a lot of murder <laughs> in this show, mm-hmm. obviously. And some of the but dialogue like, is so funny. And I so like, smart. in a way, how yeah, realistic really the murders are in that they're just through. so fast. It's yeah. fast, it's efficient, it's brutal, it's it's quick, you know? Like, it's not this gore fast, it's not, like, lots of blood or anything like that. It's just fast and quick. Um, like, in the first episode, the execution that... Oh, my uh, God. Um, what's his face? Benjamin... Uh, button no <laughs> the guy from miss congeniality who i will never be able to see the, in the same way when i want rewatch that movie um he just does this this absolute brutal execution but it's yeah. so quick and efficient and i'm like damn um but it's benjamin it's really brat good. Benjamin Bratt. Benjamin Bratt. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, he, honestly, Miscongeniality has now been ruined for me forever <laughs> after Poker Face. Because the moment that happened was the moment where. Oh, that's another thing I like about this. Every episode is a fiasco's from the murderer's perspective. Where yes. The guilt is uh, whenever Charlie, Charlie gets on the case, yep. and it's. You, we should happen. write that scenario and play it. That would be so much fun. It, we just have to reskin the Harry Dresden one because it's the yeah. same concept. Yeah, um, just with I less just, magic. I love this idea that like these murderers are so good at small details and so bad at loose ends. And they all are constantly making terrible decisions that as you're seeing them, I, I find myself going, oh, this is why you get caught. This is how you're going to get caught. And it's as enjoyable as when 
they show Charlie's version of the events leading up to the murder in which she is shown various clues and things that she will later check off's gun into the solution of the murder. I also just love how smartly put together the show is like the, um, the stall episode with the barbecue guy and how he talked about like how, you know, barbecue is a symphony, but then cinnamon is an air horn. And like at first I, I didn't pick up on the sound of the show, but every time she was tasting the clues, a different symphony or a different instrument would play. And like, it was just, it was so brilliant that, like it was incorporated and like everything is important you know everything that is said that Mm -hmm. you see Mm -hmm. that you hear like oh it's just it's so good it's so good this is the type of like murder mysteries that i love yeah and it's nice too because it's you do get to care for the victims and you do get to be really mad at the um the villains or murderers but because Mm -hmm. the whole thing is so it takes itself seriously, but because it's so very chunk tongue in cheek, uh, it's not like it never becomes super depressing it, the way a lot of murder mysteries can. It feels very much like Knives Out or um, uh, uh, Glass Onion in tone. Even the harsher or grittier settings in which they go to often carry a lot of hope and humanity. I'm thinking yeah. specifically of the truck stop. The characters in the truck stop were so, so good. heart-wrenchingly so good. complete as people. Yeah. yeah. It, mm. Well, and I mean, it could they could have easily have been, you know, stereotypical truckers, but instead, like, it showed us a different side of, yeah. of these people. And, like, it was just, everything is just so good. Could not praise it more like it's so so good i'm trying to think of something that to say like just to say something that bothers me about it just to just for a negative something i can't think of anything and i know everybody's often like oh mike he's just the guy who likes stuff but like this is just really really good it's just it gives you that really satisfying feeling um charlie does do a lot of marijuana and alcohol use (laughs) <laughs> we could put that, that in the something. negative box if you want but i don't know if that if that's I true mean, it's for our not audience a negative for me it's just, <laughs> there was definitely a period in which uh she took a drink as it were and i uh, was like oh i am also taking a drink that's funny it's late <laughs> at night that's how that works there's um I would say that the the Venn diagram of people who listen to the Ace of Geeks podcast and people who are in favor of marijuana might be a circle. <laughs> the only the reason case. it might not be a circle is just because of me. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Uh, um, the show is also very engaged with the subjects it about in a way that shows a lot of love. Like in the most recent one, Exit Stage Death, they could have used it to make fun of theater, but everything that was ridiculous about the theater was also answered by true heart and like very realistic experience of yeah. what it means and represents. And I think they play that out very 
well in the last few moments of the show where like the writing is completely in favor of the performance and wants you to know that everyone's impressed and a cool thing is going on but you have to watch all the events of the show of that episode to understand why it yeah it's very I, I will say that was the one thing um the turn at the end of that episode really depended on that monologue being absolutely nailed and because that monologue was so ridiculous i don't know that 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 amazing actress nailed it because i don't think you can i don't think that's it, like i'm hard. not trying to make because it's literally developed to be a parody of the kind of shitty plays oh, that are done yeah. in community theater uh all the time yeah absolutely i do think that the um that the content of that speech was kind of like a throwaway thing where it were really supposed to be paying attention to the passion and yeah. uh, the selling itness. Uh, that makes sense. Also, I really love that when Charlie walks on stage, <laughs> she makes the joke, I guess I'm just a ghost of Evanshire or whatever. Or Pensacola. Anyway, of Pensacola, that's right. And then everyone's looking at her and it's like, oh, Ukraine, why would that ever be? In? And then the ending line of the, of the play is I've become another ghost of Pensacola. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I know that I don't have to tell you lovely people how much I hate a lot of theatrical drama that's just people being sad for no good goddamn reason or for a lot of good goddamn reasons but very contrived good goddamn reasons uh so it was wonderful to see this parody for me charlie's room (laughs) i don't know if i've seen that one uh but yeah to get wildly back on topic for a moment uh you all should watch poker face um it's on peacock (laughs) you can see the first episode for free um if you're not dying for peacock um i we all understand uh but you know there's professional wrestling on there you could watch wrestlemania that company's not mostly hot trash right now so that's Mm. nice (laughs) it's an improvement over sometimes yep it sure is partner Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, highly recommend yeah highly highly recommend shall we talk about what we've been doing this week sure Well, I'll go first. Um, So due to my accident, I couldn't do a lot of screen time. So one thing I could do was audiobooks. And I finally finished The Lost Metal, which is the fourth book in the Wax and Wayne uh, Mistborn era by Brandon Sanderson. Um, And without giving too much away... He is definitely setting up for the major, major crossover Cosmere event. Like it's it it's it's huge. It's coming. Um, and I really liked how this one ended. And yeah, it, it was a good end to this era of Mistborn. And um it's it was just it was lovely. So Highly recommend if you haven't um, read it. Uh, you don't have to have read a lot of his other works, but it was kind of nice to recognize some of the hints dropped 
throughout the the book um and yeah it's making me real excited for the crossover like real excited so um it it also makes me feel good that i don't have to say goodbye to these characters completely so what's really what's really cool is he wrote the first mistborn trilogy and then those characters have become the mythology and the deities for the wax and wane era Mm. of mistborn and so it's kind of like this idea of like an evolving mythology an evolving mythos of a world and you know how how would these characters remake a world and then recognize when their creation has run amok or whatever and like Mm. guide them towards making good decisions and but yet it's a different technological age and so there's been rumors that the next age of Mistborn is going to be like cyberpunk, which is really interesting. I really want to see Mistborn and like that kind of magic in space. I really hope it's space. I don't know how many more times I can say the word space in this sentence, but I'm going to try and fit a few more spaces in, in between the spaces between the words. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could space it out, but uh. <laughs> but yeah um highly recommend uh but definitely because it's the last book in in uh the series you you need to read the rest the of the books in the series ones. for yeah. it to make you don't sense. need to read it you don't need to read the first mistborn series you can no. and it'll give no. you some fun context but you don't have to um actually yeah, yeah, no. I think as long as you read all of the Wax and Wayne, you'll get the idea of the important characters from the first Mistborn series and like how they interact. Um, but yeah, without then, trying to give too much away. Yeah. And the next Skyward book comes out in November of this year. <gasps> and the fifth uh, Stormlight Archives is coming out sometime in 2024. So well, I gotta Ooh. start listening now. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna take you that whole time. Yeah, but it's gonna take you even longer because we also have we're currently in the year of Sanderson, and eventually book club will be happening just as soon as uh-huh. he sends everybody their heckin' books. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We spent but, so much money on his books, but I'm so excited. <laughs> I mean, I I love them though. Like he's yeah. an author that I really trust. Um, and what I mean by that is he doesn't he doesn't lead you into caring about a character and then just kills them off screen. You know, like if a character has a death it is very meaningful very impactful very and it advances the plot it advances the plot there's a reason behind it um i mean it still wrecks you to your soul you know but like it's it's good it's good it's a good kind of hurt um so yeah super good um and I just, I love the 
the Mistborn narrator, Michael Kramer. He's so good. And he does like voices and it's ah, delightful. So highly recommend. Nice. I'm looking forward to reading those. I really enjoy that world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I'll talk about the video game that I'm playing right now. Uh, And in order to really talk about it, I want to share my screen with y'all. So uh, here we go. This will be riveting for those of you listening at home. No, I know, but I want to. I want them to hear your reactions to oh, this. Oh, this is like Stick Fighter. It is kind okay. of like Stick Fighter. So but this is a game much called, higher pace. Jeez. This is a game called uh, Your Only Move Is Hustle, and what you're looking at right now is the replay of my match. Uh, but Ooh. the way games in this thing actually work is not at that speed. So what they were watching, folks at home, was a giant high-speed uh, fighting game battle where everything was going at Mach 20, and there's no way people could react that fast unless they're Anakin fucking Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> the way the game actually works, and actually I'll keep the screen shared so you can see this, um, is you... Uh, let me just do ninja versus robot. You have a menu like this, and every couple of frames, the game pauses and asks you what you would like to do. So, like, I pick horizontal slash. Uh... My opponent on the same first set of frames is going to pick concussive blast, which isn't fast enough to get through my horizontal slash, and we both lock it in. And then he's going to hit his burst defense, because otherwise I will start into a crazy combo on him. Uh, and it's got all these fighting game trappings, like directional input. There's this wheel right here that you can move to simulate which direction you're holding on the controller to get you out of combos and stuff. There's dodge rolls. There's block high and low. Every single character has different super moves. Um, and so you play this tactical turn-based fighting game against opponents for... Uh, you know, 20 minutes to half an hour to, you know, sometimes 10 minutes if it's really fast. Uh, And then at the end, you get to watch a replay of everything you just put through at full speed, uh, which was the insane, zany, high-speed thing you just saw. It's a fascinating concept that I'd never heard of before. I'd never seen anybody try this before. Um, It's a very, you know, sort of... It's got that very indie game feel. It's still in early access. The graphics are all, like, you know... Um, just stick people like we said earlier, uh, but yeah, it's but really, it's, really fascinating. Yeah, that's a really cool concept. Somebody really did look at the old Zhao Zhao animations and was like, "But how do I turn this into a game?" Yeah. Um. So again, it's called Your Only Move Is Hustle. It's by somebody named Ivy Sly, uh, who you can follow on Twitter at Ivy underscore Sly underscore. Um. And uh. It's it's really fun. I've didn't I wasn't sure if I'd like it uh, because but I think it's making me better at fighting games slowly because I'm learning what sort of things you should be thinking about in a fighting game at a much 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 slower speed. <laughs> sure. It sounds yes. like it might also help me enjoy these sorts of games better since while I can do Twitch it's really the reaction time I have problems with. And yeah. like you can twitch slow down. You just act very chaotically. <laughs> Jer- Jerris is um, uh, the monarch of button mashing, although Meiling is it's also true. the monarch of button mashing. And uh, we have to, they have, one day they will merge into a singular being and no one will be able to defeat them. We'll just have to, you know, drift in our Jaeger. Could you imagine oh, yeah. that if uh, button mashers were piloting like a Jaeger? Oh my God, that's a comedy sketch I want to do. 
You're like, I okay, like giant you... robot, you have to make a very precise, oh, you just knocked down the little Italy part of town. What are you doing? And now <laughs> you're in space. And it then goes to a shot in the bridge and the same, uh, and the two people who like do butt mashing are doing the same chaotic dance at complete synchronicity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jairus um, or Rowan? Jairus. Okay, I will go. Um, I have not been, besides, you know, watching The Bad Batch, uh, watching Never After on Dimension 20, um, and watching Poker Face, all things that um, I have been talking about. Um, I guess one thing I have not that I have been doing because i don't want to talk about this lark but i'm writing i'm thinking about it all the time um is the for the show um star trek discovery i'm just starting season four and i really love it um i really love the major conflict as it's described so far i really enjoy that this is a science vessel who is dealing with a non-warfare based conflict it is a massive scientific anomaly that can hurt a lot of people, and there is no, like, strategic warfare aspects of it. They are really leaning into what the crew and ship does as a science um, spearheading vessel. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I, it's a great change of pace. Um, a lot of cool queer uh, storylines are really progressing and being resolved. Um and finally, we have uh, Michael Burnham in the captain chair, with this time at Saru as her first officer, and it really fucking works. Mm -hmm. It is such a good team up. And just, oh, seeing Michael as well as a captain is so good. It feels like I've been waiting for three whole goddamn seasons. Uh, yeah. It, it's awesome. I love the politics of it. I'm really enjoying some of the trauma storyline um, that some of the characters are going through. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, that one is... Oof, mm. But also, more than that, they spend a little bit more time uh, talking about and dealing with the fact that they're in a different setting with a higher tech level. And it's very interesting. It's getting me engaged, not only in, like, you know what Star Trek is supposed to be in a mechanical physics way, but some a lot of the like social science progression is very cool, and I love seeing this world like fast forwarded a thousand years. Yeah, it's so, awesome. Yeah. I'm really, I, love... I really like season three and four of Discovery. Yeah, yeah, they're very good. I I think them like jumping forward in time was the smartest decision they ever could have made yes. for discovery. Cause yes. it would have really stunted what stories they could tell if they had stayed in their timeline, because, you know, they would have to fit in a certain scheme and, sure. um, and then like, now they can just really fly and kind of do their own thing. And I was actually thinking about it. I, I never realized that they're the kind of the, it, it's the opposite situation of, you know, like an advanced person going to 
uh, yield timey timeline and being like, I'm a god with this technology. It's a group of travelers now in an advanced in a advanced society, but like they actually have really important knowledge, I guess, or yeah. like, you know, yeah. something to offer, but they just have to adapt. And, um, you know, it's not like, Whoa, is this a phone? Like, <laughs> it, It's kind of nice that they don't do that. They're yeah. just like, okay, this is how we you understand guys programmable work. matter. Yeah. Oh, I love the programmable matter. I knew you would. It, it's very good. Hold on. I want to make sure that I get a detail right. Um, I, I don't think I've talked about Navarre and the naming of Navarre on the podcast. Um, I was talking to a Star Trek friend who is also trans, and we were talking about the ways in which um, Spock's duality reminds us of being trans in that mm-hmm. he's not a trans character, but he is biracial, and there is an aspect of liminality there. Um, and we were talking about the storyline in the fast-forwarded timeline um, where Vulcans and the Romulans, is that correct? Yeah. Have merged to become one, um, one being, and therefore the planet Vulcan has been renamed to honor them, and it's been re- renamed Navarre, and I was like, Navarre is so cool. It reminds me of Morrowind. I wonder what it means. And I looked it up, and Navarre is a word created in the 1970s by a Vulcan linguist, a fan who wanted, I don't think they were a fan. They may have been working with the show, who wanted to develop, like, Vulcan philosophy. And the word Navarre means something of two natures, which could mean liminality, but the word for that in English is rebus. And when I saw that, I was like, that's the most alchemical intersex fucking queer thing I've ever heard. (laughs) This entire planet is like, yes, we are of a paradoxical dual nature. We are these two people now merge. And the the planet's name reflects that. It's so fucking good. Have you... Oh, sorry. Have you met the counselor... Or the the president of Navarre yet? Oh, um, yes, I think so. But we haven't gotten much characterization. I got as far as Stanham, I think his name is, going to Navarre to try and get science help from the Vulcans. Stamets? There. Stamets, that's right. Yeah. And then realizing that... They are so psychically powerful that they can do all of the research through meditation in their heads. oh my god it's funny i shouldn't have seen what you're talking about by that point should i um i think you might have seen because i think it i think what mailing is about to be referring to uh is starts a little bit in uh that particular episode Um, okay okay and yeah and then builds from there uh and you will you will quite enjoy it jaris oh Mm -hmm. good good i am looking forward to it i i don't uh, yet know much about that character. Um, but I am liking how all the characterizations are going. Uh, Stamets um, is going through a bit of an arc, which is great. Um, the, the, the development of Space Dads is the mm-hmm. best, and I will say mm-hmm. no more about it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Rowan. 
I have not been up to a whole lot because I've been trying to dig myself out from under all the work that I have to do in order to eventually put on a presentation for my counseling theories class about acceptance and commitment therapy, but in the meantime, to decompress and also to prevent myself from spending a lot more money on like virtual instruments or other games, I finally <laughs> bought Hades. Um, oh, yes. Oh, oh, oh. And I am have, envious of the journey you were about to go on for the first time. I have killed Papa twice now. Oh, my God. How long have you had it? Like a week. Oh, my God. <laughs> I played it a little too much the first two days. Um, <laughs> there was there was one day where I got up at 11 and I played and I took a few breaks and I ate food and watched stuff with my spouse and had meals. And then around 11 in the evening, I sat down to play for a couple more hours and then it was 4.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. That'll happen to you. Yeah. Uh, I am gradually getting better and figuring out uh, when I should Zagreus instead of Zagreus. Um, <laughs> I'm really glad that uh, this isn't necessarily an online game because I'd be fighting with Lagrius all the time. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and the uh, I'm I'm a really big fan of all of the voiceover work that everyone did. Uh, I'm I'm. I'm really glad of the, all of the work that SAG after Arias put into this oh game. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done. You Bravo. monster. Bravo. Other than that, I watched all of Vox Machina, and it was pretty good, but I think the first season had better pacing. Um, <laughs> and I think I'm the only person on here so, right now who who watched it so far. But... Now I know things about the armor of the Matron of Ravens that I didn't know when I watched Exandria Calamity with Brendan Lee Mulligan and everybody. <laughs> um, the aesthetics were popping. It was very good. Yeah. Um, speaking of Brendan Lee Mulligan, uh, if you have dropout, a friend of the show and of mine, Sam DeLev, is on uh, Adventuring Academy this week. And uh, they are Ooh. amazing and incredible, and you should watch it. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, folks, we have been the Ace of Geeks. You can find us on Twitter at Ace of Geeks. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the Ace of Geeks. And please, we want to hear from you. Go to one of those places or go to, you know, our email and tell us know what you think of the show, what we could do better, what we could do worse. We're always looking for things we could do worse. Uh, save us some time. It's you true. Know? We're innovators. And so uh, please reach out to us. And if you want to email us, uh, this is something that we can do for you. Jairus, how do they do that? A-C-E-O-F-G-E-K-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G at gmail.com. That's Ace of Geeks Podcasting at gmail.com. My name is Mike Fadum. I'm one of your hosts uh, from this show. You can find me on Twitter at Vengeance God. You can find me on TikTok at Vengeance God 2. I had a... Uh, uh, rant about men's fashion on there that went viral today, but also uh, if you um, uh, enjoy board games and may link in my voices, uh, you should watch the series that we're doing on TikTok where we're taking all 32 characters from Unmatched, uh, a, bo a fighting board game that has a collection of heroes like uh, Sherlock Holmes, Moon Knight, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 
literally bruce lee literally bruce lee um there it's it's a great game and we're putting all the characters in a tournament to the death to determine who the best character is so you should tune in and find that again that's at vengeance god 2 on tiktok and i'm on instagram at broken infinity films uh please check out the league of swords at leagueofswords.com it's a cool show about sword fighting and pro wrestling and we've got our whole our whole first show up on youtube now uh so it's there for you to enjoy and watch uh jaris go my name's Jaris Margopoulos. If you're interested in any of my thoughts on magic um, or spirituality, you can find them at firstchurchofthemorningstar.net slash blog. Not everything written on there is by me, so feel free to click around. If it's about um, Enki, Sumerian magic, or intersexuality, it's probably mine. Uh, Mailing, go. Hi, I'm Mailing. You can find me on TikTok at MLKitty1875. Yeah. Um, I don't make a lot of content, but I tend to repost cat videos. So if you're into that, follow me. Rowan, go. Hello, I am Rowan. I am three of your hosts in a trench coat. Uh, I have some music <laughs> in a SoundCloud link that you can find in the description. Uh, lots of uh, video gamey cyberpunky deets and dudes that I've made uh, since the pandemic uh, when I decided that I was going to stop not spending money on music stuff and instead spend money on music stuff so I could make music. I've been told that the stuff that I've made is pretty good, and I yes. even agree with them on some of those things. So. We did not say pretty good. We said fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, yeah. <laughs> I still have room to grow. <laughs> Was there somewhere you were going with that sentence before I interrupted you to compliment you? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen to Rowan's music. It's fabulous. <laughs> oh, folks, we're going to end this the way we always do. Hello, <gasps> oh, welcome to the Ace of Geeks podcast! That was an Ace of Geeks podcast. Hello and welcome. Just look to our benevolent emperor and he would give us direction. But as long as we live up to his ideals, you know, wearing cloaks, not allowing those young whippersnappers to talk back to you. Force lightning. You've been sliced by Yavin Radio. I am Boykos and I am coming to you live from Yavin 4. My name's Zan. I'm one of... Wait, wait, is this an interview? I'm sorry. Are we on the air right now? Yeah, we are going out through the hollow net. So who's listening? Whoever would be listening to uh, Hot Imperial Jizz? Oh, Lord. Who named it that? Uh, I was wrong last time we spoke. I do believe my mother listens to this show. Your mother's into Hot Imperial Jizz? Yavin Radio is a story podcast set in the Star Wars universe. Tune in on comms and podcatchers of your choice every other Tuesday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.